Good evening and welcome to Sanctuary First, a Friday night weekly review. This is a podcast that it goes out on Spotify and also can be found on iTunes. During the weekly review, we sometimes talk about all that's happening on the Sanctuary First website, which you can find at www.sanctuaryfirst.org.uk. And other times we just talk about issues that we think are relevant to the Christian life and how we can grow as Christians. And sometimes we just have a, a lot of fun as we share together and think about some of the material that has been written in the Sanctuary First website this week. So welcome, and especially tonight, we want to welcome our special guest, Alec Shuttleworth. Thank you very much. Lovely. Thank to you for being again. with us, Alec. Thank you. And, Am I on? Sorry. Yes, you are on. Uh, it's like playing Zoom bingo. I don't know if you have a lot of Zoom meetings. You play Zoom bingo, and you stock up these phrases. Am I on? Can you hear me? Is my camera <laughs> working? So I apologise. Yes. Good to be here, Albert. It's great to have you with us tonight. And also, uh, again, uh, joining me is our one of our resident presenters, Laura Dagen. Hello. So good to have you with us tonight. And we're going to start off by just thinking a little bit about, um, you know, what's your week been like, Alec? What have you, what's been, what have you been doing today? Uh, mostly today, nothing, I'm pleased <laughs> to say, um, which is because the sun shone. Um, I've actually been on, I'm, it's hard to take holiday at the moment, as you know, especially when you work from home uh, and the place where you do your leisure things, like I do a lot of photography and so on, and that's done, um, processing of pictures is done at, the, um, at the, the computer, which is where I do my work. So it's kind of hard. So yesterday um, I went down and saw my mother who lives in Moffat. She's uh, 93 and she has barely been out of the house since March last year. And we went off for a drive and a picnic out round St Mary's Lock and sat in the sun and had a fantastic time uh, of just recharge and catching up. I mean, I, I, I phone her actually because I'm a, a dutiful son. I have an alarm on my phone that says phone mum at 7.45 every morning. Otherwise, I would forget. Um, so we did that, caught up, and today, because it was so sunny, um, we were putting up a swing seat in the garden, so I've been enjoying the weather. I've not been greatly caught up with anything at all today, and that's that's been really nice. It's that's been good. Great, great weather, friend. It's great when, also, can you think back of days like that, like you've had with your mum yesterday? These are special times, so special. A friend, uh, of mine, a friend of mine used to refer to them as days out of time. And the reason she called them days out of time was that when you when it came to the, the counting up of your allotted span, these days didn't count. So, you know, if you had a really good day, then that wasn't counted in your total. Oh, <laughs> I like that. That's beautiful. So, you know, if you were due to live, say, 79 years and 13 days, well, if you had lots of days out of time, you could maybe stretch it to 80 or 82, you know. And I love that expression, days yeah. out of time. And... Uh, and there are some days which you really do remember in that sense. There were days out of time, you know, when when it did not, you know, the the, the cares of the day. Uh, what's that line from Step Inside Love? The cares of the day will be carried away by the smile on your face, whatever. The cares of the day mm. do not amount to a hill of beans, to quote Humphrey Bogart, because you had a day out of time. And uh, yesterday was one of them. It was great. Yeah. That's a great phrase. May you have many days out of time. <laughs> what? Well, what's your day been like this week? Have you had any days out of time this week? Well, today actually was a really lovely day. 
Um, my grandson was three today and it was his wee birthday party. Um, so uh, we had some uh, fun in the garden and cake and lots of nice things. So it was uh, a day full of surprises for me. <laughs> <laughs> it was really beautiful. And then I did have to do work as well. So um, and uh, I was at the stables as well because uh, um, our, our, our morning community will know that Chico has, uh, my pony Chico has had an injury to his leg. Um, so uh, I've been up a bit extra today to um, look after him. But he seems to be, he seems to be not too bad. So um, I'm, I'm quite pleased about that because uh, I really don't want a big vet bill. <laughs> I oh, really don't. don't. Oh, well. Well, let's just keep praying. Maybe we can we talk about prayer? Uh, yes. That, that Chico's leg can be healed. Uh, I've got a good story about that at some point, if I can remember it. But it, then, yeah, for me, this day has been a good day too, because like you, Alec, I was putting up a garden swing because uh, tomorrow is Martha's birthday and uh, we are having uh, the, the grandchildren and the, you know, the family round tomorrow. So tomorrow's going to be a day where we're all together out in the garden, but uh, this, this swing had to get up, and uh, mm. so we've had to dig a wee pit, you know, I like and put down the put, put the wee frame down and put the the what you call it the um, bark down, you see, oh, and, yes. and then and then get the stakes in. Yeah, and, well, oh, I'm just worried in case. Hopefully, hopefully it's well enough secured that nobody nobody falls off it and it goes haywire. But there you go. I should point out that being very much the junior in terms of age of this gathering here this evening, that I have no grandchildren, and the swing that I was putting up was a was a kind of hammock seat thing for for Margaret, for <laughs> to lie in the sun. Uh, <laughs> Margaret actually um, loves swings, children's swings. I mean, we pass a park when we're out walking or something, if there's nobody watching, she'll always go and have a go in the swing. <laughs> and it takes her back to her youth, I suppose. But anyway, this the, one of these hammock things, you know, that's suspended from a, a single a single point. And, and mm -hmm. apparently I don't, for reasons of uh, substantial build on my part, rather than the swings, I don't go on these things. But she says it's just like floating. So uh, because the, it's a day off day, she was just floating in the sun. So we're putting the swing seat up rather than the children's version, uh, as I say, not having grandchildren. Well, listen, anyway, so I'm hoping tomorrow will be a day out of time for us as well. It'll all work out well. And the swing will, um, will, will, will uh, survive the, the, the grandchildren's first uh, attempts to make it, see if it, hopefully we're to test it out. So there we go. So listen, today, it, this week, our theme, we're coming to the conclusion of this theme, which is the awakening. And uh, <clears throat> just wondering, what do you think about this idea of the awakening? Could there be a spiritual awakening because of what people have been experiencing in lockdown? Or is that just fanciful, fanciful thinking for a Christian minister to be hoping that there might be an awakening? Well, I think I think there has been, Albert. I think um, throughout um, throughout, like actually, this lockdown and the you know previously last year, I really did feel that you know 
with journeying with people, um, I, I definitely felt that people were experiencing God in a different way, you know, um, and and I think that for for people to get outside, get outside of the church buildings, I think you know for 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 there was a many people who who were you know really it was a challenge for them, you know, but it but it forced them to actually like look at their relationship with God and it and it you know and how how they how they felt God's presence how and how they how they could maybe go deeper and change actually their relationship with God and I do believe as well that there has been a lot of seekers you know a lot of people questioning what's been happening you know maybe just wondering actually like well what else is there? What else is there in life? Mm-hmm. And and I think that has brought people to start to explore faith. And I think being able to do it online um, in a safe way, um, you know, explore different things, hear different voices. I think that's been, I think that's awakened something um, within people. I really do think that the Holy Spirit has been at work in people's lives. Yeah. Alec, what do you think about, you know, I'm just thinking about the increase in the number of people who have been bereaved this year all around the world, in fact, and then the people losing their jobs and the increase in depression that we're now seeing among, especially among young people between the ages of 18 and 24. Many of those are the ones who have been hardest hit with this the uh, um, pandemic because they've lost their jobs and they've also... Uh, being held back from going to university, and there's been a whole lot of things all happening there. So the whole economic fear that's uh, that's circulating around uh, the, through the pandemic, do, do you think that has had an effect on people either to to not believe or to have an awakening to think there is something? What's your feeling as someone who's on the cold face as a parish minister out there connecting with people? Yeah. I mean, I think there's always a danger, isn't there, that we over-egg that, you know, the pudding. The, there is a sense, however, in which, uh, to quote the famous saying, that in a foxhole there's no atheist. You know, when you're faced up against it, when you're, when, when you're having a hard time, then, then yes, you do come against those challenges. Um, and I think people are, because there's so many deaths, there's so much uncertainty and so on, there's certain values and values in people's lives that, that have to be addressed. I think in, in terms of the church and awakening, um, I, I think the awakening has actually been rather in the opposite direction. It is not that people have moved more towards an awareness of spiritual things. It is that the church has moved rather more towards people because uh, rather than forcing people to come into our courtyard, uh, come into our premises come into our environment to experience what we um, deliver in terms of spiritual uh, uh, teaching, preaching, support, pastoring and so on, we have been of necessity forced to move towards the people. I don't think there's been a huge movement of people towards uh, the spirituals, as it were. I think there's been much more of a a movement of the spiritual faculties or the spiritual tools towards the people because we have had to be online um and i think um i don't think people are are, are suddenly tuning into to church services and and the sort of thing that you do in sanctuary first and the sort of thing that we do in our own community here 
uh, because they suddenly have a deep spiritual longing. I think it's just because we've made it available. You know, we, we've done it at times when people can actually tune in and see it. And mm -hmm. maybe that is, is something that we have to consider very seriously. Well, I don't think maybe. That is definitely something we have to consider very seriously. Um, you know, we... I, I think we've more moved towards people than people have moved towards us because I think there's always there are always times in people's lives when these challenges exist when the when you, you sit down and think what's it all for what's it all about um, and and so I'm um, I'm not uh, I'm not being pessimistic about you know no awakening I think just perhaps the the emphasis of the awakening the way we think of it should be the other way maybe it's us that's been awakened rather than you know, the, the mission field, mm -hmm. you follow what I mean. So here's the question then, so is that picking up on some of the themes that we're going to be looking at next week actually in Sanctuary First is to conclude this whole theme is the sending, that Jesus sends, sends the disciples out to where people are and the sending uh, See, and go in my name and go into the world yeah. and the, the beyond the beyond the structures of buildings to, to, to discover that God is, I think it was a uh, Rowan Williams in once preached a sermon uh, about the importance of realizing that when Jesus talks about the open door, he was actually calling us, he was saying, you know, there is an open door into the world and the church has got to move out of the open door out, out into the world. It's not the open door into a church building, but it's the other way. We need to move out of the building into the world. Yeah, because I think this is where this is where I, I feel that actually we might um, stop. You know, that the awakening might actually stop <laughs> if whenever if what happens is is as people clamour to get back into their church buildings and you know back into church and make that the focus again. That actually all the things that have been happening over this time actually actually stop you know so and it becomes this kind of closed community again because I think this is that's something that's happened and I think Alex is right because that's getting you know we've been forced you know we we as uh, the church have you know going out there we've went out we've taken things out where that is it's like well where are the people you know where is you know where is everybody? Where mm. are we going next? Mm. And you know, where's the where, where are we getting away? Where are we getting sent to? Um and I know myself, like I'm thinking about um, you know, I, I'm actually got my date in now for my final review. And you know, and then people start to ask, Oh, where are you going to be going? Where are you going to be going? And I have to, I'm actually at this place now when I'm thinking, ah, oh, but you know, I don't I don't want to, you know, do I want to go into an actual church? You know, this is, you know, things like that. It's like, yeah. well, where else? Where, where, where are the people? Where are the people? Well, I mean, to yeah. tell you the truth, I, I don't want to, no names are packed drill, but I actually have spoken with a number of ministers who have said to me, they're actually dreading going back to build it, into the building because they, they don't want to get onto this, this roundabout again or this merry-go-round mm -hmm. of, of meetings and meetings and more meetings and, and, if, interestingly, I mean, and, and just coincidentally, that the light in our darkness this evening was on Psalm 100, 
And uh, what I was talking about on it was a contrast between how, as Presbyterian Scots, we have tended to sing that uh, that psalm, and all people that all, which couldn't be more at variance with the message of the psalm. When you think of it, then enter forth his gates with joy, uh, with glee, approach with joy his courts unto rejoice. I mean, it, when you read it, mm -hmm. it now that gap. Um, between now, and I, I love it by the way. I love the, the hundredth, and uh, you're a fan of the Psalms, Albert. I know mm -hmm. you, you like the you know the tradition of the psalm singing and everything else, and the, the way we do it. But the gap between our culture and what we think is for it is seemly, so to do what we think is seemly, and 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 so on. The gap between how we do it and the message that we bring is the gap into which people we want to reach fall, uh, and mm -hmm. that's where we can't reach them. And, and so, yes, um, one of the things I've noticed over the lockdown period when I've been doing online services, um, some of, the, some of the, 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 the films, some of the, the sermons that are preached from walking along in a field or, or standing outside a, a building of some kind or, you know, the backdrop that all of that stopped now because we're back in the church buildings and therefore what I'm basically doing is pointing a camera Mm -hmm. at me as I preach and it's it it's still online but it's not the same and and yes you're right I'm not so much the meetings I'm not bothered about meetings I just don't go but the the this this variance between what we're saying and how we're saying it that gap is where people will fall in that's mm -hmm. that's and, and that, you know so yeah we have to move towards I like that thought the open door the door actually pushes the other way to the way we thought Here's, here's the thing I like, I'd like to talk to you about because, and I'll talk to Laura about this in a moment as well, but the, one of the things why I wanted the, the both of you on tonight was I've been interested in trying to think, uh, is there an awakening and are people really interested in prayer? And what got me thinking, I thought, you started this light in our darkness evening prayer very early on in the lockdown. And you've now been doing it for, I don't know how long, but it's, it, over the, a year, yeah. it's well over a year. Yeah. Uh, every night you've been so faithful at doing this. And, and we, we have benefited from it because I know you're doing it and putting it on, Facebook, on your own church Facebook, but, but we take the lead from that and put it on our site. And we know it's one of the most, it's one of the popular things that people go to every evening for light in our darkness. But I was going to ask, what made you think about doing this? Um, when we went into lockdown, uh, it was a case of, well, what, what do we need to be doing? Um, we need to be doing something on a Sunday. I was also reading a children's story, which was not a church thing, but it was on the church website. And it seemed to me a kind of obvious thing to do. We'll, we'll do an evening prayer, because if you think back to that time, the news every day was, I mean, it was, it was, Again, you don't want to over-egg the pudding, but it was it was like something we'd never known before. And, and I, think we, I think we were all frightened and I think we were all disturbed and worried. And I thought just a, a, you know, a, calm, a calm voice at the end of the day, um, almost saying, God's got this, was, was worthwhile doing. And then as it, as it went on, more and more people were tuning in and, and more and more people were listening. And it was getting, you can see the figures that it gets that's one advantage of the on online stuff. You can actually see how many people are turning up and looking at it. 
and then the comments coming back. So I had intended to stop it long ago, but actually I quite enjoy doing it. And actually I thought, no, I'm going to keep going. And that phrase, light now darkness, now you were, a, you were born an Anglican, although you've repented of these sins. Uh, you'll know that that's part of the, you know, the, the office, light now darkness, is yeah. part of the Anglican office. And, and I, for all I know, the, the Catholic one as well. Um, I, the Presbyterians kind of threw the baby out of the bathwater in terms of liturgy, and, and we don't have these, we don't have these phrases that resonate with us so much that we sing hymns rather than than have liturgy of that kind. But that light in our darkness d does seem to me to be the key, and I'm not claiming there are, there are any great depth or anything, but there is this this voice at the end of the day which says God has got this, and whatever else is going on, God has got this. So that was the reason I started them, and that's why I've kept going with them. I just think it's so wonderful. I love hearing you every night saying, light in our darkness we beseech thee, the Lord, and by thy great mercy defend us from all perils and dangers of this night. You know, it, it, it and, and you say it every week, you do it every day, you know, and, it, and it's this repetitive thing that, that it, it becomes something very beautiful. Mm. And it reminds me of something that Val wrote in the readings this week in Psalm 4, where she brings this very bit at the end, I will lay me down to rest, you know, at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. And uh, that sense of all being well, even although everything is going wrong, and she's writing us, I mean, Val highlights the fact that the psalmist is writing Psalm 4 in the context of war and fear, but at the end of the day, whatever the context is, he comes to his bed at night and says, I will lay me down in peace. Mm -hmm. That, that's the, the other thing is that every night um, this week they're slightly different or these past four days have been slightly different because the main passage has been the psalm but every day there is a bit of a psalm in there because it's psalm, all the psalms have something in them which is just a line a mood, an indication because psalms are the, are the songbook not only um, they're not only the songbook of the church they're, they're also the uh, they're also a commentary on humanity as much about people as they are about God, you know. But the Bible is, as you know, if you, if you want a situation, anybody who's in any situation at all will find something that has happened almost exactly the same in the Bible, somewhere between Genesis and Revelation, mm -hmm. uh, especially especially the Old Testament, you know, uh, Genesis, Judges, whatever it is. So there's yeah, the, there's that resonance. I think there's a resonance, and it's interesting. And I, you and I have spoken about this before, Albert. In fact, when when you were teaching me how to be a minister. And good job. Um, uh, I, I said to you once, um, I, I kind of envy the Catholic Church going into old folks' homes because they, they use these repeated words and phrases and so on so often. When you go in to see uh, folks uh, and are delivering a mass or something, they, they know that even how far they have wandered in their mind, this still is so deeply ingrained. Mm. You were able to see light in our darkness. Um, I have to read it still. It, it isn't that deep in with me, but you, you're able to read it out or, or to memorize it out. Um, and your comment, yes, was yes. And in, instead of that, I go in and sing to old people because they remember the hymns in our tradition. Mm -hmm. um, but, but, you know, that kind of thing is important. Um, these, these things that get deep down into us. When I was a student, Believe it or not, of all things, at quarter to midnight on a Sunday night, and when I'm talking about when I was a student in the 70s, I used to turn on the late office of Compline, which always began with, be sober, be vigilant for the devil, like a roaring lion, 
goes around seeking whom he may devour. And something, which is from Peter, the letter of Peter, mm -hmm. something about that gets very deep into you if you listen to it often enough. And you, you just, and, and when you have no words of your own in prayer, uh, when, you've no, when, when, you've, when you've got words of your own, prayer is quite easy. When you've got no words of your own or no words that you think will uh, deal with the situation, then you have this book of Psalms that you can go back to and, and let it do your praying for you. Yeah, and, and, and Book of Psalms and Book of Hymns, as you say, in our tradition, you know, and I'm just thinking, how many people listening tonight of a certain age would be able to say, what a friend we have in Jesus, all our sins and griefs to bear, what a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. You know, and, and, and it's when we realise we can carry everything to God in prayer, you know, like a bag of messages, like a bag and it's all in there, and we're carrying the, the bags of, of our troubles, you know, yeah. and they're weighing us down. And, and we, we, you know... I, we, I come up with a, a, a hymn book or a song book. Um, I've probably still got a copy of it on the shelf there. I have. It's called Youth Praise. There were two editions. There was a green cover and an orange cover. And, and they were choruses. And I didn't realise that a lot of these choruses were, in fact, just choruses. That there was a whole other bit of the hymn that we didn't sing as young people in the script union in in in, in Allen Academy. Uh, we just sang the choruses. And um, uh, trying now that I mentioned it, I can't think of one. Um, I can't think of a, a a chorus that's come out of a hymn. But things like burdens are lifted at Calvary, Calvary, Calvary. Burdens are lifted at Calvary. Mm -hmm. Jesus is very near. These are choruses, and these choruses do get into. They are the things. That, you know, it's, it's the seed that falls that you don't actually realise is there and suddenly. Yeah. You know, so that this light in our darkness has been, that at the end of the day, has been such an important thing for people. And it's interesting to see that you are now reluctant to, to give it up. And, of course, the question's got to be, as we go forward, how can we continue to support you in what you're doing with that? But leads us into also a conversation for a short time maybe with you Laura that you have what made you get involved with the early morning prayer that you just at, at, at Advent you you decided came to me and said I think we should do this yeah it was um oh that was it was completely the Lord so it was I had been praying about how we could um how we could um connect with our community you know, and, and, and build our community. And and it was the Lord who, who had inspired me. It was completely spirit-filled, you know. It was like, and, you know, and, that, and the Lord said to me, you know, it's like this, this, you know, some prayers in Advent, you know, so it was a start. And then when we started, Albert, and then it was like, and then I heard the Lord say to me, well, uh, prayer isn't just, Christmas, Laura. <laughs> it's, it's, it's forever. It's forever, baby. And it was that way. I was like, because that was, you know, it made me think of that. Oh, our dogs, you know, for life, not just for Christmas. And I'm like, oh, okay, right. And then it was like, oh, and I'm like, oh, I'll need to say Albert about this, you know, because I'm like, oh, we're going to continue this. This is what the Lord wants. <laughs> and uh, and it, that that was that. And I, because I think it's really important that whenever, um, you know, the Lord does inspiring you, you know, that you try, you try to do it because it, it can be difficult. You know, that's the thing. It's like, 
well, it's us, Albert, that's doing these morning ones. You know, it's like quite difficult to get anybody else, you know, involved. <laughs> and you do them live, don't you? I mean, yeah. Oh, for goodness sake, no, no. <laughs> but it's that, it's that, it's the connection, you it, know, that's so important. It is, it's, um, it's a great, it's, it really is quite, it, it's quite rewarding doing it live and, and feeling that connection with people. Yeah, I think that's maybe why you do mention people's names, mm -hmm. although some people it's, it might put some people off if they're looking in thinking, oh, it, can they see me? Uh -huh. But, but it, the reason why we do that is just so that we can recognise when somebody types in, says hello, you can get back to bring that connection in of, of the whole community praying together. And that's it, and it's, it is really, it's so wonderful. It's such a joy. And actually, see when, I, see when you're tired, you know, you wake up and you're tired sometimes, and you're like, oh, I could just roll over. But then you get up, and you're, you know, you're rejuvenated. You start your day with such a, in such joy, um, with friends. Um, and it, it's just a really beautiful, focused way to start the day. And, um, and you're going, you're starting your day with the Lord, you know. So, so when you're doing the morning prayers, <clears throat> anyone can anyone can look in and see these morning prayers. You don't need to even be on Facebook, actually. You could just go onto Facebook and type in www.sanctuaryfirst. Type into Facebook Sanctuary First. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, and, and although it may ask you to subscribe, you don't need to subscribe if you're not a subscriber. And then you can wait and it just comes live, does it? Does it just appears on the page at, at seven o'clock or thereabouts? Yeah, seven o'clock, yes, uh -huh, round about. Sometimes maybe a smudging at one minute, maybe a wee bit, you know. Yeah, because it's, it depends on where, there's all people coming in from all over, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, uh -huh. yeah. But yes, it's, uh, I, I, I go live at 7 a.m. So when when you when you do this, you, you're doing just now. You you take us in our prayer time together, and then you have a short welcome, and then we have a short prayer, which is a kind of red prayer, and then you take us into a Bible reading, and you don't say too much about the Bible reading. You leave us to think about that ourselves. But then you, you you've been reading and teaching us a bit about the early Celtic Celtic saints. And yes. we've been looking at Columbanus this, this yes. last yes. month or so. Yes. What's made you do this? Why are you interested in this? Um, well, it's this. Uh, I've I, I really found a real love for um, uh, the the Celtic um, kind of spiritual spirituality. Um, I'm I'm loving the liturgy. You know that this like ancient. Uh, liturgy, the ancient prayers as well. I think what the one one I read this morning was from the ninth century, um, and it's like again, it's like well, we don't need to reinvent the wheel, you know. It's like I think we can think, oh, you know, these these things are you know old or ancient; they don't mean anything. But like they were really, they were really going out there. They were going out their comfort zone. They were traveling. They were battling, you know, for, for to, to bring the word of God and the message of the gospel to, to people that needed it. And that's, it's, they're, they're so inspiring. And that's how I think, well, 
we we can actually um we can learn from from them and they've got such such rich stories such rich stories so that was why i've been uh, really uh, i've been really inspired by them um just it, it, it's interesting when during lent I, ch I changed the pattern of of light and darkness ever so slightly and was using different prayers to the ones that I, that I normally use. And it's this thing about the ancient prayers. I, I have this book, which I've had since I was a theology student, um, this book, the SPCK Book of Christian Prayer. Um, I, I suppose it's the sort of collection that's maybe had its day because you'll find everything here on the internet. But actually, somebody needs to collate it, and they've done an excellent job on this. And the prayers that I found we were using over that period were prayers from Origen and St. Augustine and mm. your really, really, really old stuff. And, and it is and beautiful wisdom, um, beautiful wisdom. And, and uh, so I was using them. Why, why reinvent, as you say, why reinvent the wheel? Um, and again, the, the people like this, I think, I think patterns are very important. I spent a, a week in retreat at Northumbria community now I know, Albert, you've used this in the past, the, the, you know, the, the worship of the Northumbrian community, mm -hmm. the morning office and so on, and it is very powerful. Interestingly, quite a lot of the movers in that community, in their own background, are Baptist, and you would have thought that, you know, the last thing that Baptists would have been interested in was this highly liturgical Celtic, but, but it fills a need in people. And I think it's because when you don't have your own words, the words are there. And yeah. become your own words simply by mm -hmm. by listening I, to them and adopting them and, and saying, you know, I wish I'd said that because that's exactly what I want to say. And more than that, too, Alec, isn't it? There's a sense in which you feel as though you're praying down through the centuries with this communion of saints. Yes. That it's God's people, and and it is a community of uh -huh. these prayers of a lasting rhythm rhythm to them mm -hmm. that. Um, is um... even in even in traditions you don't realize if you forgive me i, I wanted um in new college all the 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 rooms are named after you know the rainy hall and and the this that and the other all named after luminaries of the college where this the theological college at Emory university and there's a bailey room and i really didn't know very much about this man john bailey at all and yet one of the prayers um in fact, if you don't mind, it's very short. I'll just, just read this if you don't mind. Um, God, let me put right before interest. Let me put others before self. Let me put the things of the spirit before the things of the body. Let me put the attainment of noble ends above the enjoyment of present pleasures. Let me put principle above reputation. Let me put thee before all else. Uh, I think it's a beautiful prayer. And I have been, I've sat in the Bailey room for hours on end listening to boring stuff. <laughs> and that's that is the mind that is the that is the mind that, you know that that, that that name was that room was named after and uh, it's been a joy examining other people's prayers is, is a real joy and i think something we can all benefit from definitely alec and this is the joy we're having even tonight as we start talking here it is the sense of the presence of the spirit of god with us because when we want to talk to god it's like this conversation, which leads me on to another question I want to ask you. So does prayer really work? And, and have you 
and, and is there power in the name of Jesus? Why do we say through Jesus Christ our Lord? Is that, is that an important thing to put at the end of every prayer? And, uh, you know, have you learned anything this week about the power of the name of Jesus uh, to, to change lives and transform lives? I think it's, um, I think the answer to that is again one about culture. I think there uh, will be people who are very comfortable with dogs barking in the middle of what I'm seeing, and other people will find it distracting. What was that? What was that noise? Yet? No, I, I think it's I think it's a, a matter of culture. You know the the thing about some prayer where the word just is repeated every third word, so it's not a proper prayer. We just want to say that we just love you, Lord. Just and Lord are the two words that some people will say are in too far too many improvised prayers. We just want to say, Lord, that we're great that you're here, Lord, and we just want to acknowledge your power. And for other people, it just doesn't work at all. Uh, prayer is the marrying or the expressing of your will to the will of God and the will of the kingdom of heaven. And it doesn't seem to me to matter terribly much the kind of words you use that are, that are, that are right for you to do that. Um, I, I don't think I've any more to say than that, really. I think it's that way that it's actually, I think it's just about coming into the coming before God because God knows what's on our heart, God, God knows what's going through our minds, and actually, we don't even need to say the words, we can just sit in silence and mm. just be. Um, and I, I think that's that's something that I, I'm trying to encourage um, with people um, is because um, we have we also do we also do like a community prayer time on a Monday evening, and that's um, what we do. It's it's not public. It's um, it's on a Zoom, so it's private. People come in through the coffee shop, and it, they've said you know. If you want to say something, you can say something. But if you don't want to just, we can just sit and be silent together with the Lord. And it's really beautiful, you know, and you feel, you feel the presence and you feel the power. And, and I think people, because I think sometimes as well, I think people, um, people sometimes are a wee bit frightened about praying out loud. You know, if there are people are if people are with them, you know, and they get oh, I don't, I don't have the right words to say, yeah. and they don't know the technical. Oh, should I say this or should I say that? And or if I oh, start praying now, am I going to be? Do, do two of us start praying together? Oh, I'm sorry, after you, it kind of takes the thing. I I will confess, I find that kind of thing. For, and it's it's part of where you are in the personality spectrum. That that can be too curling. But the, the one service we do every year here, uh, which is the remembering service, we do it, uh, some people call it things like Blue Christmas, which I, I don't like, but we do a remembering service, generally towards the beginning of the Christmas period. And uh, one of the parts of that is to, to light a candle in memory of somebody who you want to remember. And as I always say at that time, you know, what do you want to say to God about this person? You maybe just have no idea what you want to say to God about this person, but... That candle is a prayer because mm -hmm. when you bring that candle forward, light that candle, that 
candle is your prayer and God sees and hears and understands and knows. Mm -hmm. um, let's not put up barriers to people who wish to communicate honestly with God. Yeah. You know, one of the things, the readings this week that Val has been giving us, there was a reading which the first reading was uh, around about Acts 3, which was all about uh, Peter being um, being brought before the Sanhedrin in a council because he had been preaching about the resurrection of, G of Jesus. And this resurrection had changed his life. And he was, he, he was, he, he was giving a new understanding of what life was to be like by the presence of Christ. But the interesting thing is that, you know, um, it was the power that he had, he had a great, he, he, he comes to criticize the, the, the authorities for what they did to Jesus, but he does it with a sense of grace. And then finally, they come to realize that there's something special about Peter because they say, this, these men have been with Jesus. Uh, and that's one of the reasons I was asking you to think about when I said to you, does prayer work? And is there power in the name of Jesus? Does, does, if we pray, does it change the way we, we live and the way we look and the way we act? And we, should others see the difference that these, the living a life of prayer makes? Well, no, because you retire to the privacy of your room and do not stand, um, you know, do not stand and pray publicly as the, the Pharisees do. What am I trying to quote here? Is it Matthew's Gospel? Um, you know, which Bible passage are you going to take as being the authoritative one in prayer? Uh, I, I think different circumstances, different times. Yet, I mean, praying the name of Jesus, but then it becomes, I'm, I'm anxious about things becoming too formulaic, which kind of goes back on what I was saying earlier on about how powerful I find certain liturgies because they are formulaic. But um, I think, yes, I think the dishonesty of formula, which is not formula. Do you see what I mean? Uh, the, the dishonesty of, of, I remember when I was a student, we, we had to go around and look at various kinds of worship that we didn't normally experience. So we went to a Catholic church, an Orthodox church, believers baptism at the Charlotte Chapel in Edinburgh. And we went to um, a, a, a evangelical church in Edinburgh where there were people being slayed in the spirit, um, you know, because that's what they did there. And a man was slain in the spirit, and then he stopped being slain in the spirit, and his wife handed him the baby, and she was slain in the spirit. Uh, and I thought, why, why, why wasn't she slain in the spirit? Because she was carrying the baby. Yeah. And then another man came up and offered me a cup of tea, and I thought, you know, 10 minutes ago, you were shaking uncontrollably at the front of the church. I don't know I want you near me with a kettle. I was being kind of cynical and smart. But um, that would seem to me that was a dishonest formulism about that. And, and this was how... This is how we would, they're almost shibboleths. These things can be almost shibboleths. And, and I worry about that. Um, maybe just because I'm old and crusty and grumpy, but, but I do worry about that, this, this kind of- I want to pressure you a bit more on this because I think I want to talk about, it seems to be in the scriptures that people can see something of Christ. We are called to be the body of Christ in the world. And there should be something of Christ. The fragrance of Christ should be, should be, we might not know it. We might not be aware of it, but others, should they not be aware of something? Absolutely. That is if, if you want that to be made obvious to people in how you worship, forget it. Because the way, where that be, should become obvious to you, to other people, 
is how you actually are with them, how you live with them, how you... I think that's what I'm saying, Ali. You're yeah. misunderstanding oh, me. I think oh, that's what I'm saying, that Peter is... They notice the difference in Peter because he's been with Jesus. And, he, and I think I'm thinking about in our private times, in our prayer lives, when we live this life, is it like Moses up the mountain, he comes down and his face is shining and, he, and he, he's not aware of it, and then he covers his face because it's it's too much for the people. But there's something about living mm -hmm. in the presence of Christ. That's what I'm trying to explore. Yeah. I, think, if we're, I think if we're if we're spending time, this and I think this is it's about spending time with God and, and being honest you know, honest with God and allowing God to work in our hearts, you know, um, and working in our lives, then, and, but it's about, it's about an authenticity, you know, because I think this is what Alec was getting at, you know, it's like, we can say the words, you know, we can say the words, but, you know, do we really mean them? Mm -hmm. You know, are we, are we allowing, are we allowing the risen Jesus, you know, to actually, transform us you know to be walking alongside us are we having these are we are we at that's that's the thing that's the difference i think it's um and i think as we you know it's about encouraging people to to get to this place where they, they feel that they can be authentically themselves before the lord um, yeah. and see how you know so if you're starting the day you know if you're starting your day in prayer, no matter how it is, you know, it could be walking the dogs, you know, and and enjoying, you know, having a, having a private prayer as you're walking, you know. It could be when you're on the bus. It could be with friends. It can be online. It could be just, it can be anything. But if you're doing this regular and you're tuning in to God throughout the day and, and what's, you know, and you're allowing God to, to, to actually like if you're listening and you're allowing that to come into you and become a part of you and transform you then that is people are going to see that because you will start to act different you'll react different you know you, you'll be Jesus you know you'll become in the face of Jesus as, as Peter you know was he knew he knew Jesus and that's as we but it doesn't just happen. I don't think it just happens overnight. You know, it's this consistent kind of... I, I loved what Val had said about, um, you know, that whenever you're influenced by your friends. I'm oh, not, yeah. Uh, uh -huh. the, the wrong crowd getting in with the wrong crowd. Uh -huh. But again, it's like you're getting in with the right crowd. So when you're spending time, you know, in prayer, and, and you're, you know, you're listening and... Ah, uh, you're you're living just that just that time. That's you. You're getting in with the right crowd. You're getting in there with a with a trinity. <laughs> <laughs> I, I remember years and years ago, I was having a conversation with some people, uh, younger people at, at St Andrew's Church, Bowness, minister there. When you were the minister there, and uh, it was the twenties group or something they were called, and they they were I can't remember even what the conversation was about, but one member of that group started talking about what she had read that morning in her prayer time at Bible. And she said, well, to be honest, of course, it's now March the 15th, and this was the reading for uh, February the 2nd, but I always managed to fall behind. 
that authenticity of her just saying that in that kind of group spoke more to me mm-hmm. than than you know those who tick off uh-huh. in these works in these in the in the, in the justification by works kind of a- approach that that we tended to encourage people to have. Um, I remember former moderator of the Church of Scotland when he was asked. Um, uh, if he could have gone back and done his ministry again, he said, you know what, I'd have been a lot easier on people. Oh, yeah, I think you're absolutely right there, Alec, about when we talk about prayer and this prayer life, I think if we start giving people, it becomes a duty. If you don't, if you don't do this, you're going to not know Christ. Or, you know, you, you become, it becomes then, uh, as you say, Shibboleths. Yeah, it's it's that, and and it's completely wrong. And you know that that, that little chorus we used to sing. You know, uh, read your Bible, pray every day, and you'll grow, grow, grow. But it's not reading your Bible and praying every day in that sense that makes you grow. It's it's the work of the Holy Spirit leading you in that way. Mm-hmm. And it's but it's not. It's something that happens. That but the minute you start. I suppose it's a bit you it's a, the bit you become when you become aware of your own publicity or yourself or what God's doing in your life when you start when you start celebrating that then you're on the you're you, you're on the wrong track because we should be glorifying God not ourselves yeah. and I think that's the danger when we when we encourage and talk about all these things about prayer and about growing our lives and being disciples of Jesus we, he must increase and we must decrease. But it's about it's not about us. It's about helping others to come to realise the presence of Christ. Mm-hmm. And you do want people, eh, and that's it. Because I think whenever it's authentic, you know, and I think we have to give people courage as well, you know, to to feel that that they can share how how the spirit's working in their life, how they're being transformed, because that then can encourage others. You mm-hmm. know, it's like and, and it's it's and that that is giving the glory to God, you know, not not themselves, you know, but that then brings other people, you know, a you know, dip their toe in. Yeah. It's right if, if what is the point of prayer, what is the point of preaching? It, it is not to give answers. It's to enable people to have more confidence to frame questions, mm-hmm. um, and um, uh, there is, you know, there's one of these tags that's around now that we used to uh, believe in order that we could belong, and now we belong in order that we can believe. The, the point is always this journey, always this moving towards. This Sunday psalm is is the twenty third psalm, and, and it's a psalm of movement. It starts with the Lord is my shepherd, He, and then you and then finishes with I. It's a journey from the, the beginning of the psalm, this prayer, this wonderful prayer that, you know, probably the best known prayer apart from the Lord's Prayer that, that we know because, you know, it's part of the things that we sing at funerals, isn't it? But it begins with he, God at the distance, that then starts talking about you as an intimate relationship and finishes with I, I will dwell in the house. It's a journey. I mean, that that, that, that is what faith life is and and we're just encouraging each other on the journey don't set up barriers don't set up tick boxes don't set up things that people have to do in order to be part of the kingdom of god because god loves us anyway 
make it easy for people to realise how accepted, loved and, and wonderful they are. Mm -hmm. Here's a question. Um, are there, how do we cope with life or how do we cope with things when we pray? I'm, how do you answer someone who says, listening in on this, I've been praying for a long time and God doesn't seem to answer my prayers. Should I continue praying? Or does, does I just leave it there? If I've prayed once, does he hear my prayer? Then do I just need to have the faith to, to know that he'll remember what I prayed about. But, but how, do, how do I cope? When, because I, I need to keep praying in some ways. Is it for me or is it to remind God? Oh, I mean, the, 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 those you you could take examples of that from the sublime to the ridiculous. Um, I pray every night that I win the lottery, or I pray that my dearly beloved is relieved from the the, the pain of suffering. Um, Jesus says, "What you pray for in my name," and I think the, the important expression there is "in my name." That is the imprint in my name. If you're going to put my name in it, then it needs to be something more than. I wish all my socks were wonderfully suddenly purple because that's the colour I want to wear socks tomorrow. Uh, it's a very deep and difficult question, but shoppingless prayers will not work. Uh, but communicating with God is always worthwhile. And indeed, um, I had a lovely expression the other day. Um, um, a friend of mine was complaining about um, getting medical appointments and, and she said, you have to be a squeaky wheel. <laughs> Which... She meant, you know, the squeaky wheels, those who, who consistent or, or always complaining and so on, get the, you know, the widow coming, demanding justice from the judge. Doesn't matter what the rights of the court, she kept on going. So yes, persistence is important. But the other thing that's important is in my name. And the most important thing is keep the lines of communication open. Not that God will suddenly hear you because he hasn't heard you before, but perhaps you will hear God. Here's another question before we finish up. When Jesus said, where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I in the midst. Is, it, is this in time of important to come together to pray? So that it be in the Sunday morning for a Sunday service or, but this time of prayer, coming together in community to pray. Is communal prayer important? I, I think so. I think there's something about, and again, I think it's about it's about authenticity as well. Because I think whenever it again, there was some, you know, whenever Val this week talked about, there was one of our ones where she talked about, um, you know, how we talk, I, you know, friends, how we how we address each other, you know, there's like how we address each other, other people indicates to an extent how we regard them. You know, so, you know, if you're calling somebody a friend, you know, a brother or a sister in Christ, you know, and you're you're joining with them, you know, and it's like these, you're, you're, you're praying together for, you know, the best things, you know, you're, you're, you know, for them and with them. And that's coming, you know, it's this coming together um, before the Lord for, 
it, it's really loving, you know, I think it's loving, you know, because it's like what God's asked us to do is to, you know, worship him and to love our neighbour, you know, love God with all your heart and love your neighbour. And for to me then that, that this coming together and communal prayer actually symbolises that, you know, because you're coming together to worship and praise God and commune with God and speak with God, but with your brothers and sisters, you know, with their burdens and you're sharing the burdens and you're maybe praying out for the world as well. So there's this collectiveness, this community with God and with each other. I, 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 you were talking earlier on about people who were anxious about going back to church because they were going back to their old ways of doing things and they didn't want that. Well, that's all very well, but my experience has been that the people who are now coming back into the churches, we can't do the full numbers that we did because of the COVID thing. But the joy, the joy of being back together on Easter Sunday mm -hmm. compared to the, the bewildering emptiness almost of not being with other people on Easter Sunday last mm -hmm. year. I mean, I, I didn't know what to do with myself. Uh, you know, as a parish minister who has a kind of set pattern of things, uh, the joy of people being back together um, and relating to each other, because uh, if faith isn't about relationships, you know, horizontal and vertical, what's it about? That's the shape of the cross for a reason. Um, uh, the, yeah, of course. The important thing, however, two or three, and again, I come back to this, where two or three are gathered in my name. That in my name is we, we tend to concentrate on the two and three and not on the bit in my name. That in my name, what is it for? What is the, the purpose of it? What is at the heart of it? What is the imprimatur, if you like, to use the posh word that's going on there? It's the same with when you pray in my name. That's the bit that we've got to get sorted out in our minds. So this is the power that we've been talking about this week, the power that's in the name of Jesus when we pray the power of the Holy Spirit at work in our lives, the power of praying to God through Christ, but through Jesus mm. and through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Uh, that, what you're saying, almost is the, the, the gate through which the prayer has to go. Mm. And, and then, then we begin to understand the prayer in the context of that. Prayer is, I suppose, a unique activity. If you pray about a problem, what you do is remove yourself from being the focus and centre. God suddenly becomes the focus and centre. That, that's, that's the beauty of it. That's the joy of it. That's, that's how you are lifted in prayer because you're no longer the self-centred centre of your universe. God is, and therefore there is a different approach, a different belief a different way of handling these things and a different you know, somewhere to take your bags of shopping that you were talking about earlier on. Mm. Wonderful thing. I, you know, I will finish off with that is because I always like to finish off with a bit of a, just a kind of devotional pastoral kind of comment. I'm reminded of a, being at a conference years ago where a Tom Smale, who is a well-known Church of Scotland minister who ended up becoming an Anglican Alec and became a canon in the Church of England. But he was up speaking at a conference in Creef in 1989. 
and I just lost my father. My father had just died the week, the month before, and this was my first forage out amongst my, you might say, other ministers and for a conference. And and Smale talked about how he had been at a conference, and he had turned up, and it was a, it was a, to a monastery, and the, the, there was a a monk who was in charge as his director, his confessor, director of the of, of, of his retreat. And Tom Smale says he, he turned up with his bag full of books and the, 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 the director of the, of the retreat said to him, and what's in the bag? And he said, well, these are the books I want to catch up with reading. And the director said, give me their bag. And he took the bag and he put the bag down. And then he looked at Smale and he said to him, now, will you go down to the bottom of the church to the cross there? And would you just leave your parish at the foot of the cross? And Smale said, you know, he went down and stood and he, well, all these burdens and all these troubles and all the anxieties that he was carrying, mm -hmm. he was being told, you've got to leave it there now. And as he left it there, you know, he went off for two days in retreat. And at the end of the retreat, he was told, now go back to the cross and just see what the Lord says to you if he wants you to pick this parish up again or not. <laughs> and, you know, and if he wants you to pick up some of these troubles, and, it, and it's maybe a word for all of us tonight, that at the end of this evening, talking about prayer, we should all go to a quiet place and think about all the things that's troubling us and worrying us tonight, the burdens, the bag of our troubles, and put them at the foot of the cross and go off to sleep. And in the morning, maybe go back to the cross and listen, don't ask, just see what the Lord asks us to pick up again because some of the burdens we will pick up and we'll journey with them because we've got to work through them but others maybe we need not carry because he is there and he doesn't need us to carry them anymore but it's two minutes past nine nine or ten and thank you so much for being with us tonight Alec and sharing in us in our time together in prayer. And thank you, Laura, for being with us tonight and sharing. And thank you to Val Hindmarsh, who's been writing our prayers this week. And if you get a chance, you can go and look at some of the, the prayers that, and reflections that Val has been writing this week. But uh, can I remind you that uh, we continue with the Laura's morning prayers tomorrow at uh, seven in the morning, for those of you yeah. who want to join Laura. And Alec has the, the pre-recorded Light in Our Darkness prayers that you can listen to in the evening and perhaps maybe listen to Alec's prayer tonight before you go to sleep. But I can I remind you that there is a service again at 3 p.m. on Sunday and we're thinking about being sent and what it means to be sent. And I'm joined in Sunday by Gordon Kennedy, the minister of Craig Lockhart Church in Edinburgh. And we have contributions from various people, uh, musicians, uh, and also from a reading from Australia. And uh, we're also going to have, hopefully, a cover version of one of my favourite Motorboy songs, 
Church Not Made With Hands. And uh, that's a great song, but uh, hopefully it's going to be a great service on Sunday. I hope you can join us. So until then, until next week and next Friday night, God bless and have a great weekend. A day out of time. Mm -hmm.